Today on the show, pasta. Some uh, tips on saying the rosary, the return of modesty, our picks of the week, and so much more. The Catholic Underground starts right now. All right, friends, it is time for the CU Weekly. We are the podcast that attempts to cut through the noise of the digital continent and bring you the topics that matter. It's episode number 347. I am Father Chris Decker. Joining me this week, we've got Kathleen Lee. She's the religion teacher, campus minister at Archbishop Chappelle High School in Metairie. She is our locally sourced Faith Ninja, and you must be readying for the summer. Hello, oh, Kathleen. Oh, hello. I, yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see it. It's moving ever closer. <laughs> well, that's right. It's, it's either light at the end of the tunnel or a train, as they yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. I'm right. thinking it might be a train. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, also on the train this evening, we got Olivia Galino. She's a student of life, now the graduated student of life. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And the resident Italian food critic. Uh, hello, yeah. Olivia. Hello. Still the still in study for the food critic position. No, that's well, that's okay oh. though. That's uh, that's one of those things that that never goes away. It's ongoing. Yeah. yeah. Continue Gladly. to study the kitchen. It's very important. Also joining us uh, from space, Jeff Blackwell is the technical director of the CU. He's the commandant of the Jeff Star One Near Earth Orbit Satellite. Hello, Jeff. Good evening, Father. That's right. You're actually in space today. We we took away that holographic projection of an office building. And we actually <laughs> just uh, just show the actual um, yeah, you space. You guys are so. looking good there. So if you if you watch us on the video oh feed, gosh. you can actually see that Jeff appears to be in space. It's a kind of a it's a trick of the eye. You know, not a trick. That's right. He's yeah. actually in space. That's right. It's Have you been op- lying to us? It's an optical delusion. What is going on? Life yeah. as I know it. Oh, dear. We have a lot of Descartian things happening here. You have to go lay down. Oh, also, in the, up in space there is uh, is Ed, Ed the Dark Crystal Ball. And, uh, and Katie, who is rapidly becoming an almost professed cat lady. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Katie, do, do you know uh, how how's everything going with uh, with the fundraising? Because you know we talked about how uh, Katie was our pick of the week a couple of weeks ago, and um, in order for her to enter into um, into the convent uh, where she wants to go to the Marian Sisters of Santa Rosa, uh, she she must raise thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And at at the last uh, uh, the last check, she was a, a little over halfway there, almost halfway there, I think. Yeah, a little over fa- halfway there. So, um, Not so even, we yeah, can go really quickly to Katie to Convent. Katie to Convent dot com uh, if you want to learn check more. Check it out. That's right. Seventeen thousand seven hundred and sixteen. Oh wow, that's Woo-hoo. right. Yeah, and so and and the reason we mentioned at the top of the show is because Katie. Is uh, is certainly not just a friend of the CU. She's she's part of it, mm-hmm. and so she's uh, two thirds of the way there, very close. And so, if you want to learn more, Katie to Convent, the, not the number two, but two, the preposition, okay. Katie to Convent. Correct com. grammar. It's important. There you go. Alrighty. Well, uh, yeah, I thought that since this is the the last show before we go on our summer hiatus, um, we we talk a little <laughs> bit about. And actually, if I'd have had time today, I would have made um, pasta. Because anybody here not like pasta? Show of hands of those who don't like pasta. Don't even dare to lift your fingers. I'm just scratching my eyebrow. (laughs) Sorry, that was was bad timing. That's right. So so in the Lazio region of of Italy, so where Rome is, Mm -hmm. uh, pasta tastes differently there than anywhere else on earth. Better, yeah. 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 Um, And -hmm. Kathleen, hopefully you and Jeff. And Ed and yeah, Katie Jeff, have you ever been experience. there? No. Okay. Awesome. Mm. Great. <laughs> and and there's there's a lot of um, a lot of conjecture as to why pasta seems to taste better in Rome. Either it's completely psychosomatic, or it's the air that aerates the the flower, right? You mm. know, the, the mm. Roman air. 
Yeah. Uh, or it's the water, the water that they use. I yeah. suspect it's the Roman water. I wow. think it's the Roman water too, because I, I think the Roman water is really good. Yeah, it's really delicious. It, well, it is. Yeah, now, fact, I did pass through Rome, Georgia, one time. Oh yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. real yeah. close, Jeff. Yeah. Real close. And I do believe they have a pasta smith. <laughs> hey, yes, <laughs> right next to the pizza inn, not too yeah. far from the uh, fruitcake capital of the world, Claxton, Georgia. So, uh, <laughs> which I have been there. Ah, uh, Claxton. <laughs> anyway, we digress. Pasta. Yeah. So bring it on, baby. So there are there. Are there are three types of pasta that that i really like and mm -hmm. it just so happens that italymagazine.com talks about them as well and so mm -hmm. i thought we'd describe them to you because you know radio is theater of the mind and so yep. for those of you who are listening to us in podcast form or on radio um you can allow your your uh, your salivatory glands to just kind of do their thing right yeah. let, let let your mouth water um and for those of you joining us in video well, we're just going to be talking about pasta so mm -hmm. you know um prepare accordingly mm -hmm. so my my favorite my favorite used to be the second one that we're going to talk about my favorite italian pasta right now is cacio et pepe it's, yes yeah. Just, yes in, in fact if uh if if kathleen gets another dog or cat yeah she'll probably name it either cacio et pepe a pepe. or both <laughs> you think a pepe would be the best i want i love it Alrighty, so so uh this classic pasta dish has only a few ingredients and that's actually what makes it good huh mm -hmm. uh so cheese butter olive oil and um and yes, a, yes yes yeah and with a little splash of the liquid from which the pasta has been cooked in mm -hmm. and so what happens is the the pasta becomes very um silky because okay. the cheese kind of coats it and then the pepper gets up on the cheese you know mm -hmm. Yeah, the so, starch from the pasta water. Exactly, oh, with the starch, okay. yeah. yeah. Right. Science mm -hmm. actually begins to work. Mm -hmm. So um, so th these are all in grams, because <laughs> I forgot to convert it. Which is a great it. way to cook if you've it's never tried. It's true, actually. It's Especially very accurate. baking. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm trying to like shift more into cooking and baking in grams, um, because I find it's more accurate and I get better results. Yeah, that's exactly right. So mm -hmm. 400 grams of tonarelli, which is uh, the rectangular spaghetti pasta. Mm -hmm. um, and, and did you know, Jeff, that, that the... The type of pasta that you use is for maximum uh, flavor, for mac yeah, for well, maximum sauce, maximum sauce. Um, I got you. Uh, yeah. Containment. Yeah. Huh. So, like one of my favorite pastas, the official pasta of Roberto Veri, who is our, our Toronto bureau chief, is mm -hmm. the orecchetti, which is the mm -hmm. ear-shaped pasta. Oh. And just like your ear has all those little, you know, nooks uh -huh. and crannies in it, the, that pasta is shaped like an ear, and it's got all those little wrinkles in it. Yes. And so, and so you want a meaty pasta. So, so the cacio mm. e pepe works really well with that rectangular pasta so that the starch can bind onto it and the cheese can bind onto it. So um, then 100 grams of grated Parmesan cheese, 250 grams of Pecorino Romano cheese, 50 grams of butter. That sounds like a lot of butter. No, that, there's never I don't mind. <laughs> and, then, and then four earth tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil and then ground black pepper. Mm -hmm. And so in the, in the pan, you put the butter, the oil, the pepper, and five tablespoons of the pasta's cooking water, and you make an emulsion. So you use a whisk on a low fire. And so you're creating kind of this, this mm -hmm. kind of thick... Mm -hmm. mixture sauce mixture huh so then you cook the pasta uh two minutes less than the usual cooking time you pour it in the pan with the emulsion and you stir it together and so the emulsion over low heat is what cooks the other two minutes of the pasta wow. and so uh the pasta absorbs that emulsion and then uh, you add the cheese and the ground pepper and you turn off the heat mm -hmm. and so if it's then if it's too dry you add a little more water from the pasta cooking mm -hmm. water mm -hmm. and so it's supposed to be this uh it's it's almost it's kind of tacky you yeah. know, yeah. Um, uh, because cheese does that, right? It kind of starts to stick a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
and it is it is an extremely satisfying mm-hmm. pasta experience. Mm. But mm. if I can add from personal experience, when you're making this, don't put the cheese in until the very end, or you'll get a nice big block of melted cheese and everything else in the pan, and that's it right. will have it will not have it'll have congealed in a way that's not very appetizing. That's true. Oh, exactly. Like that. Yeah. It'll it'll be like a um, like a false Velveeta experience. Yes. You know, and well, Velveeta itself up. is just false. Yeah, well, exactly. Hey, it's a good point there. Oh yeah. Double negative. So it, mm-hmm. it cancels out. Now it's a real cheese. I'm sorry. No. No. It's yeah. Not. I'm thinking although it may not be the desired result. Might not be. <laughs> Sometimes one. you just want a block of cheese. Yeah. 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 A little bit melted. A little bit peppery. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying anything. I said the second one we're going to mention is actually my favorite. Was my favorite, but it's the third one. So the oh, the second okay. one I've only had once and that is uh, Bucatini Almatriciana Almatriciana there we go sorry Um, so this is kind of a symbol of of Italian culinary tradition the original recipe of uh, Almatriciana was in Amatrice which is is a small town on the border between Abruzzo and Lazio so Abruzzo where actually Roberto's family is from Mm -hmm. our Toronto bureau chief um, and uh, and where kind of it begins to become Roman uh, this was uh, where the recipe was created, and it calls strictly for spaghetti and not for bucatini, uh, so much so that even signs at the entrance to the city uh, state Amatrice says, <laughs> Città delle spaghetti. Uh, it's the spaghetti city. Yeah, to make sure that, it, that you're using spaghetti. That's hilarious. So this particular meal, like so many cultural meals like, uh, like gumbo in Louisiana, mm-hmm. uh, was the poor meal of a shepherd. Uh, it was prepared with just spaghetti, bacon, pecorino cheese, without tomato sauce, and it was called griccia. Uh, the gray sauce, because if you if you mix all the bacon fat and the cheese together, you don't get this red color. Normally, when we think about pasta, mm-hmm. we think about red sauce. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, uh, there's so many other different colors that belong very beautifully on pasta. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the gray one, huh? So with the discovery of America, the arrival of Europe and the Europe of tomatoes, then tomatoes were added, and it became known as amatriciana. So mm-hmm. the spaghetti of amatrice. You had me at bacon. I know, right? Yeah. Well, that's yeah, but, that's, oh, that's America right there. <laughs> bacon. Yeah. We kill a pig, kill a pig, and put it in there in the pasta. Yeah. So uh, every year um, in the province of Rieti, the last weekend in August, they celebrate uh, this traditional recipe, and so they have this the spaghetti festival, the, the festival of spaghetti alla matriciana. Mm. Yes, please. I think we need a see you field trip. I will oh, yeah. go there. Here, here. That's right. Oh man, yeah. Official uh, taste tester. We can make the, little badges. You're good on Photoshop. Yeah, I can do that. They won't. They won't know. <laughs> they have no <laughs> idea. In <laughs> fact, as long as I put it in Comic Sans and print it on cheap paper, it'll look <laughs> no, like no, 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 no. You're, yeah, I'm not lying. They, <laughs> they, they love them some Comic Sans in most every restaurant. And, uh, oh my. I'll so, fit right in. So over time, this recipe became part of the culinary tradition of the city of Rome, where spaghetti was replaced by bucatini. Mm-hmm. Um, so 400 grams of bucatini, um, 100 grams of pork cheek lard. Yes. That's right. Ooh. Yeah. The Italian name is so much prettier. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, guanciale. 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 Yeah. Guanciale. Um, pecorino, pe- pecorino cheese, uh, 80 grams of that. 350 grams of tomato sauce, which you've prepared ahead of time and not from the jar. Mm-hmm. Very important. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. A tablespoon of extra virgin olive oil, dry white wine, a glass. <laughs> more for the cook. One more you know? for the yeah, cook. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and then chili. Um, to your to your liking, and then black pepper to taste. Mm-hmm. So so you cut the bacon uh, lard, you know. Um, then you eat the bacon. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can use bacon if you can't find just the pork cheek, because you know uh, that like center cut bacon has a good bit of the fat still mm-hmm. on it. So mm-hmm. that's really what you want. You want the fat to render. Wow. You place that in a pan with the extra virgin olive oil and the crushed chili. And then as soon as the fat part of, um, of the, the pork cheek or the bacon starts becoming transparent, mm-hmm. you pour the white wine in, let it evaporate, good golden alcohols off. 
and then you drain the bottom, remove it from the pan, set it aside, pour the tomato sauce into the same skillet. So you see what happens, the, the beautiful emulsions, mm -hmm. you know, that, that become part of uh, pasta prep. Yeah, no flavor is wasted. No flavor is wasted, that's mm. right. Um, if you're using um, canned tomatoes, you can cook them until they become mushy. Cook the bucatini al dente to the tooth. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, drain and pour directly into the pan. Add the bacon, mix well, grind some black pepper in there, add the cheese uh, right to the moment where you're serving it. Mm -hmm. And so you get all of these beautiful mis mis uh, mush muxes of flavor. There we go. Mm -hmm. Mux. Mm -hmm. That was the word I was looking for. It's a good one. Yeah. Slurp. And then, uh, yeah, mm. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Is everybody? Mm -hmm. yeah. Everybody's <laughs> kind of, yeah. Um, Kevin in the chat room says pork cheek is the best. It is the best. It is very good. Yeah. So good. So uh, and then and then my um, uh, only recently has cacio e pepe replaced the kind of the, the famous Roman dish, mm -hmm. and that is pasta alla carbonara. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of things in the United States that purport to have a car to be carbonara. Lies. Mm -hmm. But they are all lies. lies. They are. They are. Yeah. So it's one of Get the most renowned me. dishes from the city of Rome, in particular. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, almost every restaurant serves it. Uh, there are various speculations about how it came to be. Um, but the main two are very different, as one refers to the old job of charcoal burners and the other to the Anglo-American troops in Rome during World War II. Mm -hmm. The first idea is that the dish takes its name after i carbonari, the, the charcoal burners, because whenever mm -hmm. they made charcoal, they had to monitor the coal for a long time. So you had to have something right at hand, a very simple food mm -hmm. uh, to get enough energy uh, and a simple pasta with eggs and cheese seemed to be one of their favorites. Mm -hmm. The carbonara is uh, is considered as the evolution of a dish called cheese and eggs. That that right there mm -hmm. sounds like a morning at at Waffle House yeah. or Denny's. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, originally from Abruzzo and Lazio, uh, and the charcoal burners used to take them to work and eat cold cheese and eggs with their hands. Um, when they had no eggs, then a cacio e pepe would do. And the interesting thing is that the the dish was recorded for the first time immediately following the liberation of Rome in 1944. Mm. And so there is now some speculation that the Roman chefs came up with this recipe to respond to the demand of the troops for bacon, cheese, eggs, and noodles. Oh. Um, and even still, if you go to Rome, uh, you, it's, it's not easy to find an actual American breakfast that tastes like an American breakfast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because um, it's just, it's different in Europe, you know? Yeah. Uh, so no matter which store you prefer... Uh, this dish is an Italian favorite, but it's also internationally popular. Mm -hmm. So, um, so again, we, we we break out the pork cheek, yes. huh? yes. two hundred grams of that, four hundred and fifty grams of spaghetti, uh, and and the spaghetti is actually a little bit thicker than what we tend to to use as mm -hmm. spaghetti in mm -hmm. the United States. Our uh, spaghetti is like one step up from angel hair, and really, it's supposed to be a little a, thicker a little than thicker. That. That's mm -hmm. right. Yeah, okay. um, and so uh, two fresh eggs. Uh, pecorino romano cheese, five spoons um, of, uh, of finely grated cheese there, mm -hmm. um, uh, salt, pepper, and a knob of butter. Which there is it like is. A, yeah. you know? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've not I heard like of that. A knob of butter. It's about two tablespoons, I'm guessing. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I like that because it's kind of open to interpretation. Yeah. Like, you like butter? Make it a big old knob. That's right. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and with cacio e pepe, it doesn't, I mean, you know. The more yeah. butter, the better. Exactly. Yeah. That is my motto. So you cut the uh, the, the pork cheek, or in the United States, you can use a pancetta, which mm -hmm. is, uh, um, and you dice it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so it cooks down very well. You cook it over a skillet uh, with a knob of butter. You stir until it becomes golden brown and just slightly crunchy. This is really the magic, the, well, the secondary magic of the carbonara. Mm. That little slightly crunchy but chewy because it's still got a little fat content. Um, yeah. And then you cook the spaghetti in boiling water until it's al dente. 
While the pasta is cooking, you're ready, Kathleen. You whisk the eggs and the grated pecorino romano mm-hmm. with a teaspoon of coarsely ground black pepper, and then you add a pinch of salt in a small bowl. You drain the spaghetti in the colander. You toss um, the spaghetti with the pork cheek fat over a moderate heat until it's coated. Then you remove it from the heat and add the egg mixture, and you toss that in. And so the egg kind of sort of cooks mm-hmm. in the pasta, mm-hmm. and then you dash in that extra pecorino romano and black pepper, and you have yourself a very, very delicious mm. meal. Whew. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just want to note the absence of heavy cream in that recipe. There's no oh. heavy cream. There's no heavy just cream. Butter. Yeah. That is the lie. That's right. That's usually what. That's usually what they put is. Uh, but it's in, a sweet, yeah. sweet lie. <laughs> <laughs> heavy cream is always a sweet lie. That's right. You can lie to me with <laughs> heavy cream all day long. Is that's what I'm saying? And then Jim, of course, you know Jim. Uh, Jim Hayes is yeah. is one of our our producers, and and he is the one who kind of uh, does a lot of the footwork. And sometimes he'll even cook things whenever we're talking about we're talking about it. So he and his family uh-huh. will cook these things. So he adds his own. Uh, it's called uh, Chef Boyardee Beefaroni Spaghetti in a Can. He says this is primo. It acknowledges <laughs> Cleveland's greatest culinary masterpiece. Mm. Yeah, the dish activity is the level of the sublime with the subtle interplay of pasta-like noodles, silky rich tomato sauce, and a beefaroni that would make any Italian nonna quiver in delight and regale you with stories of the old country. Yep. Uh, the ingredients are one 14.5-ounce can of beefaroni spaghetti in a can, <laughs> Parmesan cheese from a green cardboard cylinder or leftover oh packets from your last takeout pizza. Yep. Preparation <laughs> is very simple. Oh you engage gosh. the cutting wheel of a can opener in the rim of a can. You turn the handle thricely or until the lid is disinterred from the can. Mm-hmm. You gently spoon out the beefaroni into the hand-me-down Revereware saucepan you got from your parents. <laughs> you heat it gently over an electric burner, stirring off and counterclockwise, then once more clockwise for good measure, bringing mm-hmm. to a gentle simmer. Uh, you spoon it into dishes, garnishing with the uh, Parmesan mm-hmm. cheese. Or in true Sicilian fashion, like uh, Olivia does. Yeah, <laughs> straight from the can. Yeah. Okay, well, that was like third grade Olivia. <laughs> third grade Olivia. That's a shame yeah. in that game. Which she learned from her brother. Yeah. <laughs> what I find really interesting about this segment on pasta is that uh, 20 of you were actually watching that entire <laughs> that entire thing uh, live on Facebook. And, and if you're listening to us in the podcast, you're actually still listening. Mm-hmm. So congratulations. you. We've talked about how to cook pasta three ways. And so I believe you have a job to do, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, get on it. We'll, uh, we'll let you get to it. But meanwhile, we'll remind you that we are the Catholic Underground. <laughs> oh yeah yeah sorry folks you're listening to the catholic underground we're online at catholicunderground.tv i am father chris decker your humble host and uh, pasta not and also we've got uh, jeff blackwell up in space where pasta floats olivia galino kathleen lee ed and katie are in the video cave our picks of the week are coming up but first, mm-hmm. it is uh, it is getting to be mid-May. Mm-hmm. Um, we've celebrated the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima, the 100th anniversary of the beginning of the apparitions to the shepherd children. Now, mm-hmm. St. Jacinta, St. Yeah. Francisco, mm-hmm. St. Lucia, the shepherd yes. children who now... They are now the... Uh, Jacinta and Francisco are now the youngest saints of the church who are not martyrs. Mm. Wow. That's yeah. interesting. Because cool. they died of what? Spanish flu? I believe so, yeah, and that was that was part of the thing. Our, our lady asked them to to offer to pray and pray and pray. She said mm-hmm. it three times uh, to pray and pray and pray and offer sacrifices for for sinners, especially for those whose hearts have turned cold, um, those who are who are drumming up to war. And one of the ways in which they were allowed to suffer was by by contracting illness. Wow. You know, Saint Francis de Sales talks about how whenever we become ill, it's important 
that we receive the illness that that we've been given in a sense and uh, and yeah. to use that suffering and so they really did mm. um and and they suffered well they suffered well it's hard for us to say that nowadays yeah. because we live in such a uh, kind of an anesthetic culture you mm. know um but to suffer and suffer well and they did um, so connected to Our Lady of Fatima, one of the things that the Angel of Peace and Our Lady ask the children to do, as she asks us, is to pray the rosary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the rosary is one of those things that's oft misunderstood, um, and yet uh, it's very, very important. Uh, because whenever we're praying the rosary, we ourselves are meditating not upon how awesome Mary is, but mm -hmm. how awesome Jesus is, uh, and the interplay that, that Mary the Blessed Mother has between uh, she and her son. Yeah. which actually makes Mary kind of awesome, mm -hmm. you see. Yeah. So, so we thought we'd help you along with, uh, with 10 simple tips to help you say the rosary every day, and that comes from the folks at Catholic Link. And, yeah. uh, and Kathleen, the very first one is very easy. Well, look, I used to think that, I'll be very honest, I used to think growing up that the rosary was for old ladies um, mm -hmm. and that it was something they said because they had nothing else to do <laughs> yeah. with yeah. their time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And boy, the, yeah. was I wrong. Now that I have grown up and, and experienced the, the beauty of the rosary and what it, what it means, um, it's phenomenal. And so here are some things. Some ways that if you are ever like I was intimidated by the rosary, really. I was like, yeah. I don't know, like it, there's I, a lot of buy-in here. There's, there's a lot of five like, things that are going yeah, on, yeah, yeah. and like you got to say the prayers and do we say these? I don't know what. So the first thing is number one, you should carry a rosary with you, mm -hmm. either in your pocket, mm -hmm. in your purse. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I um, there was a time in my life where I actually carried it on my belt as if it were a sword. Mm. Huh. That's what I love. Those were the early years of uh, of Chris the Seminarian. <laughs> That's what I love about um, about religious, you know, who who wear their rosaries. Yeah. And I'm like, yes. That's um, right. Let me ask you though yeah. uh, about because I've seen people who wear it or have it hanging from the rearview mirror in the yeah. car. So I mean, it, 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 in your pocket to me seems to be a little more respectful. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, some some uh, certainly you shouldn't wear it around your neck. There are a few religious traditions uh, where uh, folks do that. Um, but in the United States, not so much. Oh, okay. uh, it, right. it, uh, it smacks of rap stars with mm -hmm. uh, with jewelry, you know. Yeah. Um, so a pocket is the best thing because sometimes the best prayers are the hidden ones, yeah. you know. Mm. Um, well, I, yeah. I, I keep mine in a rosary bag to protect yep. it. Yep. Um, so that's not like, you know, I'm not yanking it out or, you know, that mm -hmm. it is in a, in a special right. place. Mm -hmm. and, and I put that in my purse or my book sack or, yep. or whatever. Um, but put have one on you. Carry it with you. Yep. And not always does it have to be that you are actually saying the rosary. Yeah. Right. But there's times when you're when you're struggling or somebody said something ugly and you're just about to be like, oh, yeah. Mm. You just stick your hand in your mm -hmm. pocket and you remember why. Yeah. And, yep, and, yep. And, and click off a decade mm -hmm. or so the two. The first or thing is yeah. to have it with you and find one that yes. you like. There are all kinds that are out there, but like, yeah. even if it's just a decade. My favorite one is I mean, yeah, there are chaplets that just have the 10 beads on mm -hmm. them, but mine, uh, my favorites are the, the wooden ones yeah, that can take a beating. And actually, this one. Yep, this is uh, this is one that was given to me on the occasion of my friend Father Ryan Humphreys uh, of his ordination. Hmm. It's from Jerusalem, hmm. and it's Beautiful. still sort of smells like chrism mm. and olive oil. Oh, wow. Excellent. You know, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Number, so have one on you. Number two, how many times we live in a world where we hurry up and wait, okay? Mm -hmm. yep. We're hurrying up and going to the doctor's office and waiting for 45 minutes. We're mm -hmm. hurrying up and going to this you know, meeting and we're waiting outside. Yeah. Say it while you wait, yep. right? And, and it doesn't have to be, I have you know, 45 minutes, I'm gonna say the whole rosary, no. right? That you, 
start it. Say it. Or while even you in wait. traffic, mm-hmm. I, I say the rosary. Um, yeah. Even if I know I'm only ten minutes away from something, I'll start a decade. Right. Mm-hmm. In yeah. the same vein, while do recite the rosary while doing chores or while you work out yep. or while oh. you do something that you do on a normal basis. That's right. Do you go pick up your kids? Say it while you're waiting in line. Mm-hmm. You know. When um, you're going for your walk. Yeah. Yep. Something that you do on a normal basis, say it while you do that. Mm-hmm. Intense um, workouts for me are really hard. It's hard for me to to, to count. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah. So so I mean, don't distract yourself because I'm always starting over too. I'm like, shoot, I forgot what. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, number four, um, use images and music. Mm-hmm. Um, the rosary is a is a contemplative prayer, something yeah. that we meditate on. We meditate on these these mysteries. Yeah. If you're a visual person or an audio person, find a rosary um, that is recorded or there's a video of it. Yep. Um, and this this would would immensely help you um, mm-hmm. enter into that prayer. Yeah, th- those are all over YouTube. Uh, yeah. Certainly. In fact, uh, I know one of the nursing homes that I cover for Mass. Uh, the lead-in to Mass is they're watching a YouTube video of, of yeah. the rosary. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number f- uh, five, if you're upset, pray for the solutions that worry you. Yeah. Make it intentional. Make mm-hmm. it about something. And actually, you know what I do um, in those moments of sadness or upset? I specifically pray the sorrowful mysteries. Yeah. Sometimes we think that we have to pray the mm-hmm. the recommended mysteries on the recommended <laughs> days. Yeah. Nope. The rosary is a prayer that you can customize uh, ad infinitum, however you need to, wow. to customize it. Yeah. And and so you can certainly do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Number um, six. Pray while you walk and think of the people in your life. We we talked a little about that. Pray while you walk be intentional. And that goes to number seven as well. Use each mystery to ask for a particular intention. Mm-hmm. Um, what I did, um, and I wish I would have stuck with it a lot better than what I did, was for the 90 days leading up to um, to today, um, I chose a person for each rosary yeah. that I said. Yeah. Um, so be intentional about who what your intentions are. Um, number eight, if you can't pray a whole rosary at once, break it into parts. No it's one okay. says you have yeah. to say the whole. Right. I mean, you can do it. Mm-hmm. But if you can't, if you can only say a decade, then say that decade. But just yeah. continue throughout the day, right? Uh, you don't want to just say one decade and then be like, oh, that was good. Um, if you can, pray the whole rosary and finish it for the day. Yep. Um, number nine, say it in moments of sadness or spiritual drought. Yeah. Right. Today, today, if you're if you're listening live, you know. But if you're listening not live, you should know. It's Mother's Day, yeah. right? Who do we always turn to when we're having trouble, right? Sometimes you know when we have these times of doubt or concern or worry or sadness, we're like, oh, woe is me, and we forget that our lady is waiting there, going, come on, come That's right. on, let me console you, me. yeah. Mm-hmm. And she and this with this beautiful prayer, what better way to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and number ten, which I do very often, um, is fall asleep praying the rosary. Yep. It's better than counting sheep. Um, I find that, you know, I used to be like, oh, yeah, him. And then I would be like, okay, woohoo, you know, like somebody finished it for me in heaven. But I found that when I was intentional, yeah. right, I, I wanted to, and I fought that sleep. And I was like, okay, I need to finish this because I'm praying for something, somebody, something else mm-hmm. beyond me. Yes. And so I need to push through this, this, finish this prayer. Um, and then I slept a whole lot better because mm-hmm. I knew. Um, that I had finished this for somebody yeah. else. Yeah, absolutely. The, there's a pious tradition that your guardian angel mm-hmm. finishes it for yeah. you, you know? Yeah. Um, but but absolutely, the important thing is to pray. Mm-hmm. Pray the rosary. Mm-hmm. And uh, and one of the things that's, uh, you can certainly pray it as a mental prayer, mm-hmm. but one of the beautiful things about it is you can pray the Hail Marys aloud with your mouth so that it, that frees up your mind yeah. to begin to, uh, mm-hmm. to actually offer those prayers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's the rosary, 10 ways to help you say it. Stick with us. We're going to be right back. You're listening and watching The Catholic Under.
A prayer for vocations. O God, who wills not the death of a sinner, but rather that he be converted and live, grant we beseech you through the intercession of the Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, Saint Joseph her spouse, and all the saints, an increase of laborers for your church, fellow laborers with Christ, to spend and consume themselves for souls. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Hello, everybody. I'm just, uh, you know, updating the chat room. By the way, we are uh, on every Sunday evening when we're when we're broadcasting live, uh, Facebook Live, and you can join us in the chat room. And uh, as you can see, we try to keep up with that while the show is going on. And uh, if you're saying something that's pertinent to the conversation, we certainly uh, try to add it in, and you might actually become part of the show. I'm Father Chris. Uh, we've got uh, Kathleen here and Olivia. And we've also got Jeff up in space and Ed and Katie. Our, our picks of the week are coming up. But first, we, we must discover and rediscover something that almost always needs discovering in every age. And that is modesty. Yeah. Uh, it almost has kind of a bad connotation in mm. our modern world. Because when we think of being modest, we either think of somebody who's incredibly shy or somebody who's incredibly prudish, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And yet modesty is is a is a, a kind of a, a middle road of virtue, huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's what virtue is. Virtue is the mean relative to the person, uh, as we learn from our good old friend Aristotle. Ah, but, yes. I mean, modesty is one of those topics where people kind of bristle when you hear the word. You're like, oh, here we go, another modesty talk. You know, mm-hmm. someone's going to tell me <laughs> how to dress. But modesty is so much more than that, and that's why we wanted to talk about it, because modesty is a virtue. You know, yep. if you go to, you can go to the Summa Theologica, and you can find a whole article on just modesty that that Aquinas devotes time to Um, and so it really is something that that lives in the virtuous life and it's part Mm -hmm. of a virtuous life and so we want to talk about just what is it Um, and I think superficially it can seem to be that feeling of shame that prevents us from kind of revealing our intimacy to others revealing Mm -hmm. our true selves to others Um, but for a lot of people it's just a spontaneous defense against kind of indecency yeah um and and a lot of father chris is right that a lot of people do confuse it with just being prudish you know Mm -hmm. you need to wear skirts down to your ankles i can't see your toes because that's immodest um and and that's not in the spirit of what modesty really is but Um, on the other hand goodness itself should not just be invisible exactly and that's really what modesty uh seeks to to show is that is that goodness uh has color right goodness Mm -hmm. uh is can be visible and yet it, it should not attack. Right, and right. And because modesty, I mean, it, with any virtue, there's an interior aspect um, that between you and God, and there's a public aspect um, yeah. and how you relate to others. Um, we see that in, the, in the, the three theological virtues, faith, hope, and love. They're very firmly founded in, in your relationship to God because they're supernatural. You yeah. receive them from the Lord. But they have their import, their spiritual import, and how you live those out in your relationships with That's others. Right. Um, modesty is is the same. Um, and it, it presupposes the awareness that you have that intimate relationship with God, but it and not merely just a public existence. But but you also have to, to pay respect to that public existence as well. Um, but it mm-hmm. starts from the inside. Yeah, I find it interesting uh, that Jesus talks about, uh, when he's talking about fasting and, and uh, prayer and almsgiving, he says to do these things in secret, and your father who sees in secret will will repay you. Mm-hmm. And yet, when we speak about modesty, we are talking about um, 
making an interior disposition very external. In the same mm -hmm. way that we would pray or we would fast, it's, it's an external act. Um, and modesty is the one that actually is done publicly mm -hmm. um, for people to see it, not so that they, that they can glorify us, but so that they can glorify God. Yeah, and it's exactly. really kind of neat that modesty is, it's, it's almost like it's, um, it's a doorway to an interior life that is visible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Kathleen, I'd be interested because I know you teach high school students and you have for a long time. Like what if you were to ask your students, what is modesty? Mm. What do you think the answer that you would get would be? Um, I think, you know, a lot of times when we do talk about modesty is they um, they it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. difficult. Um, sometimes they'll even tell you it's impossible mm. um, and that it is is like stifling you know you aren't allowing me to to express myself mm -hmm. yeah and so that there is very negative connotations towards yeah. it um you know and it's it, yeah. that's the thing too is that in in our modern culture self-expression is often equated with an absence of clothing yes mm -hmm. rather yeah. than a presence of clothing mm -hmm. yeah and that's so interesting too that you say that it's like people um especially young people i think like see it as an offense against like well you're not allowing me to be myself yeah but really modesty is all about we want you to be yourself yeah, right. we want you to to recognize your dignity and yeah. preserve it yeah um in fact it defends mm -hmm. the intimate yeah. life right well it, you know and then to, to talk to especially girls because i've taught the majority girls mm -hmm. in my teaching experience but to talk to them about like what is it you know yeah. just think what it, what is it that you are attracting? Mm -hmm. You know, especially for girls, and I'll, I'll just speak to that very quickly, but like, you know, you attract a guy with your body and then you want them to look at something else. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. You know, your and, heart and, or yeah, your, your mind. Yeah, your heart or, or your mm -hmm. mind, and that's not fair, like, mm -hmm. to you or to the guy, you know. It's no, like, that's right, yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking as the guy, you mm -hmm. know, it is. It's not fair to us. It's it's almost, um, it's, in, uh, it's inviting deception is what yeah. it is, you know. Mm -hmm. My heart is deceived because as a guy, my eye goes towards towards the, the, the physical yeah. form, what I can see. Mm -hmm. And that's where modesty is the bridge, mm -hmm. is is uh, the problem with, with immodesty is not that, that we show um, too much, it's that we show too little, right? right. And, yeah. and, and that's the thing. If, if, uh, if guys are to be attracted to the whole person, then, then we can't, we can't um, kind of cheapen intimacy by showing too much of everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and that's really the core of modesty, right? Right, yeah, and that's the core is that, you know, it defends that, that integral part of the human person, yeah. the, that intimacy of a man or of a woman. Um, but it does so so that they can choose when to reveal it mm -hmm. at the appropriate time, the appropriate measure with the appropriate person. Yeah. Um, and so it's really about, it, modesty is about revealing, yeah. um, but everything in its proper time, you know. Um, what do we what do we read in Ecclesiastes? He's made everything beautiful in its time. That's right. Um, so it's not to say that that the human form isn't beautiful. Yeah. We don't want. We're not trying to stifle that no. or deny it. We're saying it is beautiful. Right. But it has a proper time. Because even if you read the Song of Songs, you know that that beautiful mm -hmm. love poetry between the bridegroom and and the beloved, huh? Uh, that that is an appropriate revelation within the bridal chamber. Right. You know, and and that's the beautiful thing. Uh, Taylor in the chat room says modesty during high school was hard because it almost makes you a target for being different mm -hmm. in college it's so much easier because I finally realize I'm my own person I don't have to follow trends right. but isn't it interesting that people who who especially women gosh women like we we're all like I want to be different and I want to be unique mm -hmm. but yeah. I want to look like everybody else with as little clothing as I can yeah mm -hmm. exactly you know and then then the the ones who 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 dress immodestly are saying hey you who are you know yeah 
you, you know, you're the one who's different. And yeah, you are. Mm-hmm. You are different. And that's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And and that's that shows true value. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. The value mm-hmm. of the person, the value of, of actually being intimate. It's It's interesting to think that we can be intimate with another not by what we uh, by revealing everything mm-hmm. but by not revealing everything yeah that that's the true measure of intimacy yeah in fact if you think about it that's the mystery of of being attracted uh, male to female mm-hmm. the attraction of intimacy is the mystery yeah you know yeah same thing with our god uh, the attraction is not that god shows us everything but that he shows us just enough to draw us deeper and mm-hmm. deeper into the mystery mm-hmm. that's why mm-hmm. that's why the sacraments are mysteries yeah. because they don't show you everything mm-hmm you know, they invite you into a relationship, something deeper. Oh, did you see what I did there? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I, I didn't I like do that. that. Lord did that. I just. Mm-hmm. John Paul is smiling in heaven right he now. Is, yeah. 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 Well, no, I think you're touching on a very, like, crucial point to, to what modesty is just conceptually. And it's the, it's built on that that relationship. You know, like, you, you reflect in your person the image of God. Yeah. And God is mystery, as you said. And so we have a certain mystery that can only be revealed and even in part you know we spend our whole lives even in in marriage trying to reveal that mystery to the other person because it it is inexhaustible um by the fact that we we are made in that image of god um and so when we when we present ourselves in a modest way we're we're presenting ourselves to be affirmed and it's it's almost like acting uh an act of trust on the other person yeah to say you know i don't see all of you but i but i see your beauty yeah you know i see what's veiled and and I affirm it. And that's something that we so deeply need as yes. human beings is, is affirmation. That's what we seek. You know, that's why we follow trends. That's why we, we look for the coolest new things. That's why we look for what the majority says is, is, is hip mm-hmm. or is, is what's in, um, because we're looking for that affirmation right. when really it starts with that interior aspect. We, we have to, to first, you know, find that, that relationship with the Lord, mm-hmm. find our mystery and his mystery. And then by the way that we relate to that, yeah. that's how we find our, our value. That's how we, we allow exactly others right. to affirm us. That's right. Rather than attempting to pull that look off, which you really can't pull off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Girl or guy. Oh, guy. Yeah. Yeah. For that matter. Oh, many, yeah, many, the trends many guys have attempted ways. to pull off uh, trends. That yeah, yeah. yeah, That's actually why, you know, I, nowadays my, my day off attire, if I want to, you know, be the Clark Kent and go and hide in a coffee shop, it's, it's usually jeans and a T-shirt. Nothing, nothing especially trendy. And I'm, mm-hmm. we're coming to the point now where I'm going to have to start shopping at Sears. I know that. Aww. We're going to be khaki pants in my future for day off attire. But, but, also, but it's also one of the reasons that, that we priests uh, are vested the way that we do. The reason that our street clothes are, are usually the, the black shirt with the white collar is it's not only a symbol of, um, it's not only a symbol of, our, of our celibate uh, chaste commitment, but, but it's also a simplification to say that there is a deep mystery of the relationship of of God to to his to his creation, mm-hmm. and so the priest, by dressing in this simple manner, by dressing in, in the color that is uh, kind of associated with a closed coffin, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, we are pointing to to something deeper, right. and so the priest is actually modestly dressed whenever, or he's reminding us of modesty when he's dressed this way. Exactly, yeah, mm-hmm. and that's one of the the ways that you witness as a priest. Yeah, um, and I think it's important to to point out that you know we've been primarily talking about the physical aspects of modesty, but as a virtue it is something that's primarily spiritual it touches the whole of the person and yeah. the person is body and soul um and so there's other aspects to that intimacy that modesty is is um, given to protect um you know it, it 
when it comes to showing emotions, we, we can talk about modesty um, because we're not just completely vulnerable with anyone we meet um, mm-hmm. immediately. You know, there's there's a, a growing in trust and in realizing that our even our emotions are something to be protected and as mysterious. That's right. Um, but there's there's spiritual aspects of modesty too. You know, um, like all virtue, it's given to us or, or we, we cultivate it so that we can re- kind of regain the order that we lost in the fall. You know, like in the, when we were created, when Adam and Eve were created, we're created to be well ordered. You know, yes. the the body is uh, well harmonized with the soul, and all of that is well harmonized with God and His will, and everything works in harmony. You know, that that's that's the the key here is harmony. Yeah. Um, and then the fall happened, and sin throws everything out of whack. So there's just discord. Um, that's why we so we, we see really prevalently, especially when it comes to modesty. The, this kind of fight between like the the person and the body, yeah, um, that's right. the body and the soul. Um, so modesty as a, a, a spiritual virtue, mm-hmm. uh, or just as a virtue, because that's what they do. They touch the whole person. They bring order to that world, um, and not only within ourselves, but with the dignity of other people, because it, yeah. it's very relational. You know, when I when I dress modestly, I don't just do it for myself. I do it because I respect other people. That's right. Um, and that's when you respect yourself, you respect others. You know? And that's a question that's actually in the chat room. Uh, Taylor in the chat was talking about how once she finally discovered that she didn't have to follow trends, regardless of what, mm-hmm. what high school tells you, you know, um, she discovered self-worth. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, Brett in the chat room says, do you think that modesty and self-worth and self-respect go hand in hand? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, when you see yourself as a person, you know, and not, and not just as an object, not as an object, mm-hmm. not as a body, something to be consumed, right? You know, something to be consumed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. When you see yourself as a body or as a commodity, I think that it, it might be a better term. Mm-hmm. You, it's something to be given away. You know, yeah. like what is someone else willing to give me for something at the for lowest what I have? price? Essentially, you know, sure. that's really what happens when, when the self worth is low. I mean, worth is the is the operative word there. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. And even, I mean, I don't want to like take it into material terms but think about like the things that are worth the most in monetary uh terms mm-hmm. are tend to be the things that are most scarce yeah you know so when you protect your mystery you're recognizing that this is something valuable i want to hold on to it yeah um and and i don't want to keep like applying in material terms because it's not at all what you know it's just as an analogy but you know it kind of appreciates in value um, because you're holding on to it. You recognize that this is something precious that's right. um, and it's not just, I'm not just going to give it away to the first person. So that's, that's a fundamental recognition that I am something worthy. I am yeah. something beautiful. Um, and there's a time for that to be revealed. The time has not yet come. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and even uh, throughout your life, even once you're married, it's not like you just, you start dressing however you want because you recognize that it's for a proper person. Mm-hmm. Because um, lust can take place even within marriage exactly mm-hmm. yeah exactly absolutely yeah. I think to it you know your self-worth comes when when you look at what kind of attention you're getting you know what, what kind like people are are seeking you out for for what reason or they want to be close to you for what reason mm-hmm. um, you know and it's like man this is like when you know what you deserve mm-hmm. um, and you experience that then then anything else is is um, you know I, I recognize I, I grew up with my mom who who was totally into modesty before I even knew what modesty oh, yeah. was, um, thankfully. And I appreciate her today, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, now that I'm older, I can I realize when I'm not when I'm not being 
like I realize when my self-worth is not being upheld by other people. Yeah. Um, and it, it, very quickly I'm like, okay, no, I, we're That's not, right. yeah. I'm not in <laughs> out. Yeah, yeah. Bye. See yeah. ya. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and you start to, to surround yourself with people who appreciate you for That's who true. you are. Yeah. Um, and that, that is, you know, you can realize that yourself, but when you, when you surround yourself with people yeah. who love you for who you are, um, not for a way that you look or for the way that you dress, um, but because they've taken the time to get to know you, yeah. um, then that's, those that are the is, relationships that last yeah, and matter. And yeah. those are the relationships that lead into a deeper intimacy yeah. that could be a spouse one day or something mm-hmm. like that, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think you're touching on something really important too, is that, you know, modesty doesn't, it, my, like my own modesty doesn't uh, guarantee that other people are going to respect it or respect yeah. me. Yeah. Um, you know, there's plenty of times where a young woman will be dressed, you know, very, very nicely, very modestly, classy, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, someone's still going to look at her yeah. in a way that's not becoming yeah. of a, of a yeah. gentleman, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Yeah. Um, and but that but I think you're right is because that's a signal to the person, you know, man or woman, that's a signal to the person that this is not. A person that I need to be engaging with yeah, because correct. they don't see me mm-hmm. as I am. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, um, and so that's how like modesty really is. Um, it kind of feeds on our intuition about ourselves and about other people mm-hmm. um, because it all starts with that personal dignity. I recognize that I have personal dignity and that's worth protecting. Right. Um, that's really the starting place for modesty. Um, Vicky says in the chat room, she says, in terms of clothing, finding age appropriate and modest clothing for my daughter, now 18, has been so difficult, most especially primary school age, because clothing is made to look like many versions of adult fashions oh and are gosh, completely yeah. inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, we've only, we've seen that in the past 20, 25 years, most especially, yeah. mm-hmm. where you have a uppercase Abercrombie and now lowercase Abercrombie. Yeah, and that's exactly. the idea is to equate the two mm-hmm. and, and, you know, that it becomes completely inappropriate where yeah. dignity is not respected. Yeah. yeah. And it's not to say that you can't have fun with your clothes. Oh, absolutely. You know, you no, right. You can't mm-hmm. wear bright patterns or flowers or, or whatever, but like there does. Or it, that you have to wear like turtlenecks and. Sure. You know, yeah. Saying, like right. you yeah. can have yeah. fun and, and still be expressive of your personality, like right. by all means, because it's your clothes and your, your behavior. I don't want to yeah. just yeah. limit it and to clothes. And that's the beautiful thing is fashion is art. Yeah. It, it, and it can it's an be expression of the person. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. But, uh, but I, you know, I noticed that the other day because I have a little niece who's you know still cooking and um she, I was looking at baby clothes the other day and I was kind of appalled I was like are those pleather leggings for a, <laughs> for a baby yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah and yeah. and it's it's kind of amazing to think about how we just take the things that are already inappropriate for adults and we just make them tiny versions for children yeah, the, and the last thing a newborn needs to be is dressed like Tina Turner yeah mm, yes. I, mm-hmm. you know well, yeah. she there I Tina said. Turner doesn't need to dress like no, Tina. No, Tina Turner <laughs> doesn't. Yeah, but, yeah, case in point, yeah. But you're true. also yeah. touching on an important point is that modesty is something that's learned young. Yeah. Um, it's learned in the house. And it's not just learned by, um, I mean, obviously kids are very visual. They, they see what their parents wear yeah. um, and they pick up on those things. But they also see what you do. They see mm-hmm. how you yeah. act. Um, and how you take in mm-hmm. uh, either modestly or immodestly. Exactly. Like kids watch that. Yeah. And so, I mean, when it comes to like how you dress, you know, they're going to, they're going to be watching how you, um, 
how you take in like emotions are you very mm -hmm. effusive with your emotions are mm -hmm. you do you kind of like fly off the handle yeah. mm -hmm. um, or are you more temperate when it comes to those emotions um, even things like hygiene that's an expression of modesty um, because it, again it shows respect for the other person manners good manners mm -hmm. show respect for the other person um, and even think like when it because modesty is something that touches so deeply with intimacy yeah. so in how parents show intimacy to each other you know mm -hmm. it should be done not to say that you should, you absolutely should show affection in front of your kids because sure. you, they need to know that you love each other, but right. realizing that there's a proper time, right. a proper place for all of those, um, those signs of affection. different levels of showing of intimacy because kids exactly. learn how to be intimate mm -hmm. by what they mm -hmm. see in their parents. And so, as you say, there are levels of that. Yeah. And this is all in, in laying the foundations for raising our children to be modest, uh, yeah. to practice that virtue. Yeah, I'm and glad you're touching on those things because a lot of times um, when we hear the word modesty or we're talking about modesty, it's a like the the main conversation is women's clothing right, right. exactly and you need to con like you need to control yourself and cover up so that mm -hmm. no one else but but you're right like in the way that you speak and the way mm -hmm. that you control your emotions and the yes. way that you show intimacy like these are all things that that mm -hmm. need to be brought into the discussion of what does it mean to be modest yeah mm -hmm. you know from the time you're very young to the time you're you're old you know mm -hmm. men women that, I think that's very important to bring that into the conversation. Yeah, exactly. You know, because you're right. And that's why I wanted to talk about this is because modesty is very much like it's been reduced to a, a yoga pants ar argument, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. and notice how we have not meant that was the first time we've mentioned those two words yep. <laughs> because that's not the whole conversation. No. The conversation is about the person, that's right. you know, who is the person as a person? What is your dignity? Mm -hmm. That's the starting place. And that's then right. how everything that you do, everything that you think, everything that you put on your body, everything that, that you use to express yourself, that's those are all little concretizations, little manifestations of you. Right. And so when you engage modesty in those self-expressions, they're more truly you. They're more, they're, mm -hmm. they're true. They're, they're, they're truths about yourself instead of lies or deceptions um, right. that we, we can tend towards if we don't have modesty or fully engaged. And that's what begins to happen is as we begin to, to value the privacy of others, mm -hmm. as we begin to discover uh, our, our own intimate world, if you will, uh, as we begin to, to kind of plumb our own heart, um, we have these foundations that get laid mm -hmm. uh, so that as we grow up, we respect others for, for what they are, who they are, children of God. That's really what all of this leads to, is, exactly. is, to, re mm -hmm. is to recognize the other, not as object, but as subject, mm -hmm. as Pope St. John Paul II would say. We are subjects of an almighty God. We are children of God. Mm -hmm. uh, and then as St. Josemaria Escriva says, uh, they will attain... Quote, the good modesty that reserves the deep things of the soul to the intimacy between man and his father, God, mm -hmm. between the child who has to try to be completely Christian and the mother who always embraces that child tightly in her arms. Mm -hmm. That is, that's the core of modesty. It begins with God mm -hmm. and it goes back to him. Huh? Mm -hmm. Exitus. Reditus. Mm -hmm. That's your Latin phrase for the day. Mm -hmm. uh, there is an English phrase that we usually use on the Catholic Underground, and I think it's a good time to use that phrase now. It's the part of the show that we like to call... The CU Pick of the Week. All righty. Yes, you have been waiting for the pick of the week. We know yes. that you have, because it's, uh, it's uh, you know, part of the part of the show that uh, mm -hmm. all of our... our of watching ticks go mm -hmm. up a little bit, you know? <laughs> so, all right, here we go. Uh, first pick of the week, Kathleen... Yeah. Okay, well, I've been involved with this camp called Echo. Echo. Um, I've talked Echo. a little bit about um, um, Damox Ministries. It's a, a ministry based out of New Orleans that does a lot of theology of the body teaching mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and camps and, and 
talks, but they do a camp every summer called Echo. Um, and, and it is a theology of the body camp. And maybe five years ago I went, y'all, there are not a lot of things that I can say have changed my life and mm-hmm. that I, that I invest this much into. This has changed my life mm-hmm. in the way that, in the way that I look at myself and the way that I, that I view modesty, what we're talking about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the way that I, um, form relationships and, and friendships and, um, you know, what I look for, um, as I look for a potential spouse or how I discern my vocation, it's all wraps up into this camp. Um, and there, there are actually two camps going on this summer. There's one in new Orleans, um, and it's kind of a half and half. So they do a young adult weekend and then we turn around and we flip the camp and, um, young people, uh, high schoolers come mm-hmm. to this camp. Um, and then there's a, a whole young adult retreat later in the, in the summer. But this year I'm just going to do a little plug. We're in desperate need of some, some good, solid young adults, uh, for our echo new Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the first week of June. Um, I'm not sure. The June exact 2nd days. through 8th Second. is for young adults. Mm-hmm. And then, um, uh, then there's a weekend only version. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the second and fourth of June. And then the teens, yeah. uh, from June 5th through the 8th. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you want to like, if you're looking for a good community, it is the reason why I moved to new Orleans <laughs> is the community that came out of, of echo. The Catholic community um, there is awesome. Yes. Phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and so if you're interested, you can look it up. Um, you can ask us some questions back chat at Catholic underground, um, dot com dot com. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> echo is my pick of the week. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Good pick. Uh, Olivia. Yes, my pick is actually something that I read um, this semester as I was finishing, um, and it's a series of essays, two essays in particular, by Benedict XVI, whom I love, um, on conscience, and that's actually the name of the the book that we'll put in the show notes, but also um, one of the essays in particular is available for free online if you just want just one of them, Um, but it's on conscience, and um, as we know, if you've listened to the show, you know how much we love Benedict, um, because he's extremely erudite scholar but he also has a particular way of looking at um at the the theological tradition the intellectual tradition and kind of cohering them in a way that's very readable he makes it like a cacio at pepe he 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 emulsifies Uh. theology philosophy and lived experience like very few and he would appreciate that analogy so somewhere Mm -hmm. he's smiling yeah um so i i highly recommend the 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 book itself is it's you know it's really thin very cheap um it's two essays um and like i said the first one's available for free online we'll put both of those links in the show notes but i i I suggest that as good reading just to brush up on what conscience is Mm -hmm. um and how it's best used um especially in the moral life it's not Um, just your shoulder angel no Mm. no 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 no. um and it's just it's beautiful reading um and maybe it'll inspire to read some more benedict so that's right i find them very readable i've said it before i'll say it again Mm -hmm. let's go up to space to uh, jeff blackwell and to your pick of the week uh father uh Mm -hmm. ways to appreciate your parish priest 19 ways that's a good start right oh my okay Uh, yeah i'll I'll take 19 ways (laughs) focus on campus.org has some easy ways to to get you know your pastor or priest a little bit better uh first of all starts off by attending mass regularly pray for him Mm-hmm. Uh, find out his busy days and offer to cook for him. Oh, mm-hmm. well, yeah. Christians uh, do that to, sometimes. It's nice. Offer to help around the church. Uh, yeah. Write a thank you note. Offer him a compliment every now and then. That collar looks very nice, Father. Yeah. It's the um, same one I had last week. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> encourage him to slow down and mm-hmm. take a breath mm-hmm. if he can. Uh, be supportive overall. Invite him over to your your place. Uh, yeah. And then pray a little bit more. So uh, you can see the whole list. We have it in the uh, show notes at uh, catholicunderground.tv. 19 ways to appreciate your priest. Yeah, that could be a segment, actually. 
Yeah. That could. Yeah. Although I don't know if I'd be, I don't know how I'd feel about doing it. Uh, so yeah, that, oh, thank, you're being thank you. Modest. Jeff always knows. When, yeah, I see what you did. Jeff always knows when I've had a busy, uh, a hectic week. So uh, thank you. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, my pick of the week is uh, well, it's food related. Well, bring it on. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So uh, so the Breville or Breville, I don't really know how to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. A smart oven, 1,800-watt convection toaster oven with Element IQ, mm. um, was on sale. Uh, it, now, this is a little pricey at item. <laughs> Not at Sears. <laughs> I, can't, I can't verify that. Uh, but it, it's been on the Amazon uh, on sale. It's usually, it's usually uh, in the $250 range. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking for a replacement uh, for, for a toaster oven. And this one is really, really, um, uh, dare I say, foolproof. It has buttons for pizza. <laughs> it has buttons <laughs> wow. for for toast and for all and for all sorts of things. It comes with a couple of different types of pans. Uh, yesterday, in honor of Our Lady of Fatima, I decided to make some pizza because I had some pizza making things in my refrigerator mm-hmm. and a tomato sauce um, from the Tucci family recipe that mm. uh, that I happened to have made ahead of time. Mm. And so I actually made pizza because it comes with a pizza pan. I, I made pizza, rolled the dough out myself. And I uh, had some little artisan pizzas that I made. Cool. And uh, I've already made toast in it, and the toast works out fine. I've reheated the pizza that I made uh, yesterday, today, and, and it turned out fine. Um, and uh, it also has that convection thing, which mm-hmm. keeps the heat even. Yeah. And so if you don't need, like, a big oven situation, mm-hmm. yeah. then this is a really handy little thing. And it's actually a pretty big little uh, little oven. Big little oven. It's a big little oven. That's right. Um, which would be the name of my, uh, of my DC-8 uh, mm. if I had one, uh, you know, and I was going into war. It's called okay. the Big Little Oven. Yeah, mm. there you go. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I was waiting for like the crickets. Yeah, well, yeah, welcome to my world. Uh, so, uh, did, did we get all of our picks of the week, Jeff? I think that we did. Yes, we my goodness, did. in record time. Yeah. So I suppose we should say that we're always grateful for those of you who have prayed for us this season. Those who continue to uh, to contribute your prayer and your financial support to us. Uh, we're always grateful for them, aren't we, Jeff? Indeed. And this week, Catholic Underground is possible because of people like you. Join the growing number of undergrounders at catholicunderground.com slash donate. And also portions of Underground, of uh, the Catholic Underground, are brought to you by audibletrial.com slash catholicunderground. That's audibletrial.com slash catholicunderground. And also by Mystic Monk Coffee. More information at catholicunderground.tv. That's right. If you want the show notes for this episode, if you want to subscribe to our podcast, if you want to know how it is we do what we do, go to catholicunderground.com for all that information and check out our brand spanking new website. Uh, our panelists this week, as always, have been Kathleen Lee, the Faith Ninja, the Hope Samurai, mm-hmm. at Kathleen Y-A-B-R. Also, Olivia Galino at O.M. Galino on Twitter. Our technical director is Jeff Blackwell at Jeff Blackwellis on Twitter. Our research assistant, a producer, a leader of the crew in the lab, yes. and uh, the uh, the SpaghettiOs customer, Jim Hayes. <laughs> our video director uh, this week has been Ed Ball. The graphics director, Katie Richard. You know me. I am Father Chris Decker. Follow me on Twitter at Digital Catholic. We hope that we have helped you cut through the noise and find that still small voice. We are the Catholic Underground. We're Faith Gone Digital. We're taking a little bit of a break for the summer, but we will see you in August.
the plague. 